Is that better? You got any ink now? Yeah, there we go. Right. Well, <clears throat> as Dave mentioned earlier, we're continuing in our series of, well, I was going to say talks, but actually it's our series of services about whole life worship. Okay. And in particular, I'm, I'm going to be looking this morning, actually I'm going to draw on a point that Dave made way, way back in week one, back in the end of March in this series, when, when he showed us that everything that we do can be offered as worship. And that actually our worship flows out of an understanding of our identity in God. You know, that we are God's holy people. That we are chosen. And that we're dearly loved by him. You know, it's a, as we gather together like this in our worship times, you know, it's, it's, it's these occasions, isn't it, that we experience a deeper sense of living in Jesus, and that's wonderful. And we do that through all that we do and we think and we say in these times. These times can be transformative. They change us, and they change the way that we live our lives. And I think this deep delight in knowing who we are in Jesus actually means then that our expressions of worship They've got to be, haven't they, so much more than just what we do here on a Sunday morning or in our connect groups. You know, surely our worship has to spill out into whatever else we do. The problem is, though, is that we have this temptation. So often we try to live a divided life. You know, on one hand, we, we, we put our, um, what is it? our sacred life to one side and then we put our secular life on the other. You know, and, and we tend to have this inclination just to keep these two parts of our lives apart. But that's not right. We have a tendency to think that some of these aspects, you know, the things that we do, the things we do for Jesus, you know, they're so much more important than perhaps the things we do just to pay the bills. But that's not the case. You know, um, we need to, to bring these together and allow Jesus to, to work in and through the whole of our lives, not just one or the other. But before I go any further, I just want to read uh, from our scripture passage today, which is from Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 to 17. So if you've got a, a Bible with you, Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17. And is that going to go up? No, it's okay. Ah, there's a knack. Thank you. That's lovely. Very focals. Don't, I don't know. Never get used to them. Anyway, let's read from this passage then. Colossians chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and as you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And here's that verse again. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Now the title of our theme for today's service, as we saw earlier, is Worshipping Transforms Our Ordinary Actions. But what does that really mean? Have you ever heard of a term, everyday worshipper? Are you an everyday worshipper? I have to admit, before I looked at this, I really hadn't come across this much before. But I think it's a really, really good term. Are you an everyday worshipper? An everyday worshipper is someone who worships God, not just on a Sunday, as may be likely to be seen, but, but you worship God every day in all that we do. So what does it mean to be an everyday worshipper? You know, how do you really worship at work? You know, when you're at that computer or whatever you're doing. Or at school, you know, when you're running around the playground or whatever else you do there. Does being an everyday worshipper involve singing quietly under your breath? You know, as you're waiting at the supermarket checkout. Or is it whistling, shine Jesus shine, as you're dusting the dining room table? Well, for some it might be. Or is it just offering a prayer at the beginning of a business meeting? I have to say it may be all of these things, but it may be more. You see, to be an everyday worshipper means that whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. And our whole lives should then become an offering of worship. Now, you know, there's a, a wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that talks about our lives being a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. What a beautiful image that is. And, and you know, when I, I read that and I was thinking about this, uh, this, this picture came to my mind. And I just, just want you to imagine it with me, if you would. That's of each one of us going about doing our normal everyday humdrum jobs, but we're actually exuding this fragrant worship to God. This wonderful smell, this perfume, this aroma. I, don't, I can't think of any better to call it, but this, this stuff just floating up to heaven to God our Father. And him being blessed 
by this fragrance. Because that's what Scripture says. He's being blessed by this fragrance, just as we are blessed by the fragrance of a rose. You know, you go up to that rose. Our roses are bursting out at the moment, aren't they? And you just go up and think, wow. Or, you know, you may think of other flowers that are far more fragrant. But, you know, you get this sense, don't you? Wow, that is amazing. What a wonderful smell. And, and really, that's the image that I want God to have of us. Not just today, but every day. Paul writes to the Colossians, and he urges them to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, while overflowing with gratitude. Now, this, this wasn't just something else that they had to put on their to-do list, you know, uh, something else to be ticked off or just an optional extra. This is how Paul wanted them to live all of the time, not just on the Sabbath. And Paul was making it quite clear to them, and I believe to us today, that our worship was to flow firstly out of a new identity. It was to be fueled secondly by a new motivation. And thirdly, it was to be worked out in everyday life, in everyday circumstances. And I'm going to look at these three points very briefly. The first one of those was our identity. What do I mean by that? Well, I suppose I mean, you know, Scripture tells us, doesn't it, that we are new creation. We're new creatures. And in a way, one of the first things we have to do is we have to understand who we are and what our place is in God's plans and purposes. Because if we can begin to do that, that will have an amazing impact on our worship. In the earlier verses of our passage, uh, back in verse 9, I think, we see that we are people who are to take off our old self and to put on this new identity. You know, and this then, I believe, increases our understanding of what it means then to be created in God's image. And, and knowing this new identity also means that actually then we learn to, to, to act differently towards another and in our lives. Now, I'm going to share a little bit of my own personal testimony here because as I was looking at this, so much of my past came back to me. When I was a young man, a young teenager, I loved singing. It was great. You know, I'd, I'd do whatever, whenever I could. I remember doing music specifically at school so I could sing and all sorts of things like that. And in fact, singing was actually one of the main reasons as to why I started going to church in the first place. The second was because, well, that's where the pretty girls were, but that, we won't talk about that this morning. But one of the main reasons I started going to church was because I just loved the singing, you know. And even, and even then, it was in the days before our lovely choruses and songs. You know, I just loved singing the hymns and stuff. And, and then as I started getting involved and, and started going to church regularly, I, I realised then that I thought that all this singing, that was worship. And that was it. Um, but then as, actually as, as I got more and more involved, I began to realise that actually there was something more to worship 
It wasn't just singing a few songs. And in fact, many years after I'd become a Christian, uh, I'd moved down to London, I'd met Maggie, we got married, and we were very involved and, and established in a local church there. Um, we were home group leaders together, had been for a number of years. We'd run the youth group. We'd, um, I was, at this point, a deacon in the church. Uh, I was a worship leader. And, you know, we were very well established. But then God spoke very clearly to us. And, uh, and you know, just really, really hit us and, and knocked us for six. Because God said to us this. He says... You know, it's all very well what you're doing for me, but what about me? You know, it's all very well what you're doing in my name, all these good things that you're doing, keeping busy out many nights of the week, but what about me? And I have to admit, that really hit us very hard. Because, you know, our life was in the doing. You know, we were doing, and we were doing, and we were doing lots. But God said, hang on a second, what about me? And so we had to think through all that that meant. And actually, even then, the implications of putting it right. And so, over a period of time, we felt that God was moving us on not just in the things that we were learning, but actually in church as well. And eventually he moved us into an environment where, where we really learnt to worship God. And, and this, this just became a very, very intimate thing for us, where in a way we'd learnt to love Jesus over again with a real intensity. And as a consequence, I believe then that we, we grew in our understanding of who we were and of who God was and is. And in a way, we had to relearn about our place in God's kingdom. And for myself, I in particular, I really struggled uh, for a long time, in particular with my understanding of God as my father. You know, I, I hadn't had a very good childhood. I had a lot of issues with my human dad. And the idea of my heavenly father uh, loving me, forgiving me, being gentle with me, not shouting at me or hitting me, was actually totally out of my comprehension at that time. And so I really struggled in being able to accept the love of the Father. But over a number of years, God changed me and changed my understanding of fatherhood and of him as my father. And I was particularly helped by great little books. I couldn't find it from our bookshelves. We've moved all the books around. But a little book, um, named, it was by a man named Floyd McClung, lovely name, lovely man, entitled The Father Heart of God. 
And I tell you, if any of you want to read a book about God as our Father, that's the one. Very simple, very little, you know, not a big read, but it really blessed my heart totally. And so, as I began to understand my place in God's heart, and as I responded to him, then every part of my life changed, allowing me to be this new creation that I was meant to be. So what I want to say, this first point, is that in order to be an everyday worshipper, we need to know who we are, but more importantly, who he is. Okay. Secondly, I believe we need to look at our motivation for what we do. Again, this is, motivation has come up so often in the last few months. I think this is something that God really is I think, saying to us. You know, think about your motives for what you do. And, and I believe that's the same with our worship. We need to look at our motivations for what we do and to see what allows us to live our life of worship to God in every aspect of our life and to see it all of the time. I think if we want to be everyday worshippers, we need to understand more and more that it's not about us, but it's about him. In our passage, we see Paul urging the Colossians to allow the peace of Christ and the word of Christ to work in their lives together. Did you know that if you're angry or you're anxious about something, it's actually really hard to worship? You know, if, if you're concentrating on these things, how can we give to God what he's due? And I think these things, and, and many others like them, they act as blockages to our worship. And so we need to know this peace of Christ. And we need to know the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to break down these barriers. And we also need to know the Word of God, the Bible, to help us to keep on the straight and narrow, to give us signposts to help us live as God wants us to live. Yes, we can encourage one another as church. You know, we read in our passage, didn't we, that this is, this is how we teach one another as we sing together and we read together and we encourage one another in church on a Sunday or in our connect groups. But in a way, these times, when really worship is actually all between you and God, these times just are a reflection of what is either, what is overflowing, hopefully, either of what is or isn't going on in your day-to-day -day lives with Jesus. Okay? So basically what I mean there is that what's going on out there Monday to Saturday will have an impact on what goes on here on a Sunday. And as we've already heard this morning you know we need to keep going to Jesus and saying sorry for the things that we do wrong you need we need to know Jesus forgiveness so that we can know this peace 
and in turn we can keep open to God. And we don't let then, then let our sin become a, this barrier between us and him. We need, we need God's Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives for him to remove these barriers of sin, anger, anxiousness or whatever it is that holds you. And we need to learn the truths of the Bible to know the story of our salvation and to know and believe the truths of who Jesus is and of what he's done for us. We need to know who we are in Jesus because so often, you know, without really that understanding, we then find it really hard to understand and comprehend what he's really done for us and what he's going to do for us in the future. You know, if we don't have at least that basic understanding. What is it that it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And in verse 12 of our passage, we read earlier, didn't we? It says that we are God's chosen people who are holy and dearly beloved. Dearly loved. You know, think about that. You, I, each one of us, we're chosen by God himself. And we're holy. We're made holy because of what he's done. And he loves us so, so much. You know, and I believe that if we can grasp these amazing things, we will be transformed. Our lives will be changed. And our worship will be changed as well. For me, it took a long time for me to start understanding and actually believe in these truths. For one, a long while, I just excluded myself uh, you know, from these passages of Scripture or, or things that were going on. You know, my attitude was, oh yeah, God's done that for them, but he doesn't do it for me. Or... Um, you know, quite often, well, I'm not included in that. You know, it's all right for them, not for me. And then as I grew a little more, I begin to believe. But then it wouldn't take very long before I'd deny things again. And, and I'd make those mistakes. And, you know, it wouldn't take much, much to knock me down. And then I'd sort of start denying God again. Say, okay, well, that wasn't for me after all, you know. But gradually... I began to hold on to the God's promises for me. And after a period of time, I did accept that God did love me and that he sent Jesus for me and that I'm special to him and all the other things that Bible says about me because of Jesus. And you know, it's the same for you too. God loves you, every one of us. He really, 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 really loves you. If take nothing home today, take that home. God loves you far more than we could ever imagine. And nothing we have done can separate us, oops, can separate us from God's love. Won't, nothing can separate us from God's love if we stop those bad things that we're doing and turn to Jesus and ask him for his forgiveness. So to be an everyday worshipper, 
Well, firstly, we need to believe and accept who Jesus is and know who we are in God's plans and purposes. And secondly, we need to remember that it's all about him. Not me, it's about him. And the final point I want to make is that if we know who he is and who we are, and if we acknowledge that it's all about him and that then everything changes, then whatever we do, whether it be at work, school, at home, in the local shop, we can now do it in the name of Jesus to the glory of God the Father. You know, and worshipping God, giving him glory, is to be expressed in the whole of our lives. And it's to be worked out in the very practical ways that we relate to other people, that we do our work, that we spend our money and so on. Now, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, what I'm going to say next, but I believe that worshipping God needs to become a habit. Okay? It needs to become a habit. Because as with lots of things that we do, it's only when we get into the habit of doing them and doing them regularly that we get comfortable with doing them. And I believe it's the same with worship. The more you do it, the more comfortable you become in doing it and the easier it becomes. So we have to practice worship. We have to practice being in the presence of God. Now I know it isn't easy to put this into practice. And if I'm honest, I'd say this is one habit that I really find hard to get into. And I find that I constantly need to come back to Jesus and acknowledge that I've dropped the ball yet again and ask his forgiveness and start again. And so I want to encourage every one of us in this next week, as you work or whatever you do, and as it time allows, I want to encourage you to take some time to think about Jesus. It may be that you want to listen to some worship music on your CD or Spotify or whatever it is we use these days. Maybe that, you know, perhaps just in your head you'll just sing a chorus or that song that comes to mind and just worship God as you're walking down the road or yeah, as you're dusting your t dining table, whatever it is. Perhaps you need to think on that memory verse that you learned all those years ago that God's just reminding you of. And you can just contemplate and meditate on that. Perhaps if you're on the bus, open up that Bible that you've recently downloaded onto your phone and have a read of a few verses of Scripture. Perhaps... Just go and spend a few moments contemplating about the wonder of God. You know, and perhaps take some time to go and, uh, uh, and see some of the beauty around you. 
you know, if I want to do that, I just walk out to my back garden. And actually, I do go up and look at those roses. We've got, we've got a small, we've got big rose bushes, which I think get very big and they do their stuff and they're over very quickly. But we've got a little rose bush at the back of our garden with very little flowers. But they're so delicate and they last like that forever. And that just reminds me, I look at that and I can't help but say, God, you're so amazing. Maybe, and I'd encourage you to do this, think about the people that are sat either side of you now. Just take a look. See who you've got sitting next to you. And perhaps at some time during the week, just spend a few moments praying for those people. Asking God to bless them and to praise God for them. Just think about that. So there are just a few examples of what we can do in this next week to you know, spend that little bit extra time in getting into the habit of worshipping God during the week. And then, after you've done that next week, in the following week, do it again and again. Let this become your spiritual habit or part of your spiritual habit, your spiritual worship. Because I know it will bless God. And just think about that fragrance, that aroma that goes up when we worship. Because that will bless him. So what does it mean to be an everyday worshipper? Firstly, we need to know our identity, don't we? We need to know who we are through what the Bible says and we need to know who God is. We need our pure, pure motives and to allow the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word to impact us and to remember that it's all about him, not about us. And we need to get into the habit of worshipping and thinking on God at all times because then as Paul encourages us in verse 17 where he says this, he says, and so whatever, remember that's the word, isn't it? Whatever we do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we can do that, then we'll be an everyday worshipper of Jesus. Now I'm just going to finish with one quote. A quote from a, a French monk who was around in the 17th century. I'm getting a nod from Dave. He knows who I mean. A fellow by the name of Brother Lawrence. Lawrence, I suppose it would have been. Brother Lawrence. He, um, I don't know that much about him, but I read a bit. He was a monk, and, and in this monastery that he was living and working in, he wasn't one of the worship leaders, you know, or the main preachers on the Sunday. He was a cook, okay? He was a cook. And I think he eventually moved on to become the shoe repairer. So, you know, he knew what it was to work. But in this, in this little book that you can get now, he, it's a series of 15 letters that he wrote to friends about being with God, being in God's presence. And I want to encourage you, Get a copy of this and have a read it. It's a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. 
And then he says this. And he's talking about God, remember. He says, He does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your sufferings, at other times to thank him for the graces, past and present, that he has bestowed upon you. In the midst of your troubles, to take solace in him as often as you can. Lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. And I love this little bit. One need not cry out very loudly because he's nearer to us than we think. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. That's great. It's always good to be reminded that worship is something that we practice constantly.